Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Alex Leverett, uh, lead writer on the Arcoma chapters and voice actor for Ron Barton. Uh, just dropping in with this quick message before this exciting episode of the show uh, to let you all know that I wrote a book. Uh, it's called In Between, an Arcoma Story, and it is a short novel depicting Polvo Poplip's story as a man living, quote-unquote, in between the Undercity and the Surface City of Arcoma. It's out now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Author House, and more. Thanks, guys, and enjoy. The City of Arcoma. Uh dark place full of dark skies and even darker citizens. My name is Ron Barton. I come from a small but advanced town out in the wasteland. The people in my town deny the existence of any cities left in the world, so I made it my mission to prove them otherwise. With this recording device, I set out into the thick wall of fog and eventually found the city few are happy to call their home, Arcoma. Once again, uh, here I am at the Jagerty Inn with Mr. Leon uh, Jagerty and the other various people in here for their nightly beverages. Uh, how are you doing, Leon? Ah, oh, Ron. I'm glad you're making yourself home here at the inn. <laughs> yeah, well, in all fairness, this place is the only place for me to conduct efficient research on the city. <laughs> Happy to have you here, too. I love listening in on all the good stories you get in for your research. Ah, great timing. Ron, this here is Samuel Lintel. He's one of the regulars here. Great guy for stories. Hey there, I'm Sam. Uh, hey, I'm Ron. I'm the one looking for stories. What you got there, Sam? It's a special kind of fruit I've been growing. It... Looks like an apple. Well, yes, that's correct, actually. No way! I, I thought apple trees disappeared decades ago. Well, to fully explain myself, it might take a while. <laughs> it's quite the story. That's a nice coincidence. We've got lots of time, and I've got my recording device. Well, I suppose that is pretty perfect. Trust me, this is a good one. I remember coughing and wheezing as I struggled to run up the hill. Even as a young boy, I didn't have that youthful energy adults are always saying kids have. The ability to run for days and be indestructible. My best friend, a girl named Lena, yelled at me to hurry up the top of the hill. She was always faster than me, fearless and courageous, but very, very naive. And admittedly, kinda dumb sometimes. Though, because I was a kid and didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, I would say that she was just too fast for me. Once we reached the top of the hill, we went sprinting towards the forest, because that day, we had a much smaller amount of playtime than usual. Wait, what? A forest? Uh, I didn't see any forest coming here. Sure, there was a valley, but all I saw in there was hills of garbage. Yep, 
that's the forest, believe it or not. Or at least it was a forest at one point. Before all that stood in there was garbage, some trees actually rose towards the sky back when I was a kid. But everything's basically gone now. Anyways, why are we setting off for the forest? Well, it was said that there was a remnant of an apple seed still growing in there. Lena wanted to find it and bring back the apple trees out of long-thought extinction. Many of the fruit trees were killed thanks to Arcoma's severe pollution problem. <laughs> but as a kid, I had believed that the apple trees were gone because they sacrificed themselves to make sure us humans didn't go hungry. <laughs> On some days, that belief makes me feel better about myself. An apple seed in a forest of garbage is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. I'd be surprised if you actually did find something. Well, guess you'll just have to keep listening, huh? Ah, uh, yes, sorry. Go on. <clears throat> As we made it into the forest itself, we began scavenging. We went to that forest every day for two whole years while we attempted to search for that seed. And each time we failed. Lena, though, with her endless amounts of hope, dragged me out of my house each time, proclaiming that today was the day we would finally find an apple seed. Two whole years? No way! Yep. Every day we scoured that forest before any seed that was planted or preserved. We didn't find that. All we did manage to find was a boot filled with a modest amount of dirt, scraps of metal, and a long metal pole with mold on it. With the summer heat frying us from above, we sat down. I looked to Lena and could tell she was upset. I asked her if she was alright. She said she was, but she was just disappointed we had never found anything close to a seed. I told her it would be okay and would come back to look for the seed tomorrow, like we always did. She nodded, but still looked upset. We stood up and I kicked the boot we found over in frustration. We watched as the dirt poured out and froze. But not only dirt came out of the boot. Well, was it the seed? Well, it's, it's gotta be, right? I'm getting there! <laughs> There, lying in the dirt, looked to be a nut of some sort. It was brown and pointy at the top. I brought it to my nose to smell it, believing that by smelling it I'd learn the mystery of this strange thing instantly. Lena grabbed it from my hands and studied it for a moment, before reaching into her backpack and bringing out a book. She always had this book, it was a present from her parents. It listed all the trees in the world, alive and extinct, with their seeds, with pictures. She flipped to the one page she always did, and sure enough, it was the apple seed. Uh, I can't believe it. The odds of that happening seem like one in a million. They seem that way, but after two years, it felt like an even smaller chance. Anyways, we planted the seed and made sure everything was perfect. Elena took out a piece of metal from a nearby construction site to mark where the tree was, so we'd know where to find it. Um... Could you tell me more about the construction sites? You make it sound like they're very common. Oh, they are! Arcoma's always expanded, even more so way back then. Uh, there are uh, 16 new construction sites in the entire city as we speak. That's one of the many reasons as to why we have a big pollution problem. Anyways, as we walked out of the forest, we were approached by another kid. His name was Cory Caesar. You know, typical bully kind of kid. He was a nosy little bastard as well. Lena asked why he wanted to know. I was already dreading where the conversation may lead. 
Corey smiled and put his hands up defensively. He told us he just wanted to know if we were okay, coming out of a forest. Okay from what? I asked. Corey smiled a wicked smile at me and began telling us a tale about the Jacobite. Uh, sorry, but what exactly is a Jacobite? Well, Cory told us it was this big, mean, scary creature that could crush bones with a single tap. He could also shapeshift into your friends. Even though I knew Cory's character, and obviously if I was any older I would have called his bluff immediately. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and Lena was in the same boat. Uh, just making sure. The Jacobite isn't a real thing, right? I doubt it. Living in a forest? Yeah, believable. Shapeshifting? Eh, not so much. Either way, Cory had told us he was going looking for the monster that night. He said it would make him a hero if he found it. He was willing to give us a share of his riches if we went along, and then proceeded to taunt us and call us chickens if we didn't agree to go with him. I, I ain't never met Cory, but he doesn't seem like the fun person to be around. Yeah, he was never much of a savory character. Anyways, Lena and I thought we would have to jump a few hurdles to make our way out of our houses that night. Luckily, my parents were busy attending business in the south side of Arcoma, while Lena's grandmother was already sound asleep. Lena had brought her backpack with flashlights, while I brought a screwdriver and a net. A very small net, in the hopes that the Jacobite was conveniently the size of a small dog. <laughs> you guys weren't very good at planning, huh? <laughs> hey, come on! Cut us some slack! We were just kids! <laughs> We had made our way into the forest entrance where Cory was waiting for us. He threw another pointless insult at us for being slow and led the way into the forest. Lena and I followed him in the darkness. The moon had disappeared from the horizon, making us rely almost completely on our flashlights. The trees, which once had the warmth of the sun, now felt like a crowded prison cell, which was kind of funny because there were still little trees in comparison to the hills of garbage. I remember Lena squeezing my hand and reassuring me. She told me we have to catch the Jacobite just in case it hurts our apple tree. <laughs> I couldn't comprehend the feelings I had for her back then. <laughs> Sammy, you little devil. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Corey kept on strutting forward carelessly when he finally stopped at the opening to a cave. He paused for a moment before letting out a loud howl into the black abyss. We heard the howl echo down the interior of the cave, but heard nothing in reply. Corey looked back at us and relished in the fact that he had scared us. After a few more seconds of silence, we all froze in place. A loud growl seemed to echo from within the cave, but it didn't come from the cave. It sounded like it came from above us. We slowly looked up when the large shape fell from a nearby tree. It began crawling towards us slowly. Our flashlights were frozen in place with us, but I eventually gained the strength to aim the light at it. This creature I saw was something I even have tr trouble describing today without it bringing back t terrible memories. It looked like a wolf, but it had been injured somehow. Its gray fur had been stained with blood, and I remember the growls it made almost sounded human. The most horrifying part, though, was the broken bones that pierced through its back and jutted out like skeletal wings. Oh, holy shit. Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Not a big fan of that at all. Ah, oh, poor thing. It must have been attacked by some bigger animal or something. It must have been in so much pain. How'd you get out of there, anyways? Well, as the creature kept inching towards us, Lena broke free from her paralysis and grabbed my arm. 
She screamed at me to run. I remember my legs moving without me knowing, and we ran. The animal's footsteps bounded behind us. We eventually lost track of each other in the dark of the night, and I remember eventually ducking into cover underneath the remains of a run-down shack to catch my breath. I couldn't describe the fear I felt if I tried, but at that moment, the fear was different. It was different than it was while I was being chased. Because while being chased, you know the monsters behind you. At that moment, I was scared because I didn't know where it was. I barricaded myself in the hiding spot with sheets of metal. Ugh. Uh, Leon, uh, I need a drink. This is too much. Kiyomi, Rada! Honestly, I need one too. You fine with the fire starter? Bunch of vodka, whiskey, and maple syrup. Uh, normally we top it off with painkillers, but nah, I don't think we need that. At the moment, at least. <sighs> That'll do. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are babies. <laughs> are you kidding? This is so intense. Well, if drinks are being made, I might as well take one too. Why not? Alright, so there I was, under all that garbage, when suddenly Cory came running out of the bushes, pale, terrified, and sweating a storm. I whispered at him and he whipped around. He ran over to me and grabbed at the sheets of metal I had set up to hide behind. I quickly stood and pushed against him. He cried out for me to let him in. I asked him where Lena was and yelled at him for not warning us what we were dealing with. He screamed at me he didn't know where she was and pulled harder on the metal. He brought his face in close and told me there was no such thing as a jacobite. He made it up to scare us. So, this all happened when you were a kid? Yeah, when I was younger. Probably around 10 or 11. My god, when I was that age, all I did was sit around and play catch with my old pop. I wish that was the case for me. Parents were pretty distant while they were still around. All I had was Lena, pretty much. And in that moment, I had no idea where she was. The seed of doubt in my mind was watered with my rage towards him, and I hesitated on letting him in. I reminded him that he told us the Jacobite had the ability to shapeshift. I couldn't trust him, unless he told me where Lena was. Corey screamed more at me, but was interrupted by another growl. He quickly gave up trying to pry open my hiding spot and spun around facing the growls. He screamed curses at me and sprinted away again. I heard the footsteps of the animal dash after him, and I never saw him again. Holy crap! Well, did you find Lena? I remember waiting a little longer before I couldn't hear any more noises from the direction Cory ran in. I pushed the sheet metal aside and I sprinted out of the forest. When I got out, I ran to the nearby security office and told them all that had happened. They eventually found Lena at the bottom of a trench, with a broken leg and arm. She had been there for hours before we found her, and I didn't know if she would make it. I remember trying to visit her and the doctor, but I could never make it into the room. They were doing surgeries pretty much every moment until she died. The infection she got spread for far too long. Her funeral was hard to sit through. Her parents were completely inconsolable. I was 11 then, 27 now. It's been a rough decade and a half, I won't bore you with all the details, but I did go through a lot of therapy. I had to learn not to blame myself, and try to greet life with the optimism like I used to. Definitely not perfect at it, it's an ongoing process. But I'm confident to say that I've definitely improved. In order to cement that, I began writing my thoughts in the forest, underneath the apple tree we had planted. Because even though I was gripped with all the fear at that time, 
I still went back every day to check on it and water it. Whoa, that's extraordinary. I'm surprised with all the conditions in the garbage it could survive. Yeah, I cleared out a pretty wide space for it. It helped keep my mind busy, and I remember doing it all for Lena. And hey, at the end of the day, I got some nice apples from it. <laughs> well, maybe you could keep planting the seeds. Get yourself an orchard and bring the apples back for good. Yeah, I think, I think that's what Lena would have wanted. Yeah, that sounds nice, huh? I just wish she could have had the chance to taste one. So, where's the tree? Ah, uh, sorry, Ron. For now, that's a secret between Lena and I. I'll see you guys around, hmm? Wait, wait, what, what, what's got you in such a rush? Got things to do. Might go grab another apple, take a walk, who knows? Thanks again for the drink, Leon. Well, can't argue with that. Feel free to stop by any time, Sam. Oh, uh, goodbye then. Ah, man, another story for my research. You know, you seem to know so many great people, Leon. Well, that's our coma for you. Interesting characters at every turn. <sighs> All right, I think I'll call it here. More stories in store for next time. Bye, recording device. Well, another night ends in our coma. I'm holding up fairly well, and am actually enjoying my stay here so far, believe it or not. The crude demeanor of the city is slowly becoming shadowed by the amazing people I'm beginning to meet every day at the inn. Outside, though, I'm not so sure. Hearing more about gangs and mafia members is pretty intimidating. I think for now I'll stay inside the inn. Anyways, I'm gonna try to get some rest. I'll be back with more to report on later. I hope all is well. Hey guys, I'm Isaac, and this episode for the Acoma Chapters was directed, produced, and edited by Isaac Atlas, written by Daniel Ochoa, Twitter at Absolute Squish. Ron Barton was played by Alex Leverett, Instagram Alex.Leverett. Leon Jaggerty was played by Blake Mitchell, Twitter at Skylar Snow. And Samuel Lentil, the guest for today, was portrayed by Josh Poor, Twitter at Josh Poor Evo. Background ambience was provided by Michael Gelfi. You can find him on Patreon. Music was written by Isaac Atlas, Blake Mitchell, Transatlantic Rage Bellow, and Steven Seabird. Podcast artwork by Separius01 and Luna. You can also join our Patreon to get access to every episode a week earlier and access to exclusive content. Thank you for listening.